0: Okay, I'm delighted to be joined by former Peterborough United midfielder, Dean Keats. How are you doing, Dean, in these uncertain times? Not
1: too bad, thanks. Not too bad. Staying as uh, healthy and as safe as possible. And uh, I help everybody else doing into Peterborough areas too.
0: Um, let's talk about your, your time at Peterborough. Obviously, um, you joined from Walsall. What can you remember about the, the transfer itself? And what attracted you to Peterborough at the time? Because obviously, we were a League Two club.
1: Yeah, I got a lot of abuse for joining from a League One club that I just got, well, a League Two team, I just got promote, promoted. No, I can remember, obviously, um, I had a great season at Walsall, my own town club. We just got promoted, uh, won the league. Um, and uh, obviously, people came in for me. Uh, Daz, I had a meeting with Daz, well, the gaffer, uh, and they, um, he sold everything to me. He sold himself, he sold the club, the vision he wanted to do. And he promised me at the end of the season I'd be I'd be in League One. And if not, on the back end of the day, said within the three-year contract was signed, he was looking at playing Championship Football, and it was true to his word.
0: Was it a difficult decision, as you say, to, to do, though, given the fact you just got promoted? Because, as you say, you, you knew you were going to get abuse. <laughs>
1: yeah, look, it was hard. I mean, I'd, I'd had a good season. Um, personally, we have been, been through a lot as a family, uh, my own family. I'd lost my mum to cancer that season. And I'd, I'd probably had the best season of my career on a pitch. Um, maybe just coincidentally coincidence with everything that was going on for us, personally. Um, scored goals um, from midfield, et cetera, something I hadn't done before. And it was just, it was Daz, the, the vision he sold me um, about the club, the direction he wanted to take it, and himself, really. Um, and that was my biggest point um, He'd done his own work on me, he spoke to me about games, he'd had me analysed in, etc., all that kind of thing. So he'd done his own work on me, and um, obviously the vision he sold, I wanted to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, you, you and, uh, and Chris Westwood in that particular season, the first season, were and Micah as well, were a little bit different to what the rest of the squad was. Obviously, the, the, the main aim was young and hungry and, and with a, a splatter of experience. Did you feel a bit of pressure given the fact that there was only yourself and a couple of others that had that experience?
1: Yeah, as you said, it was me, Heidi, and uh, obviously Wesley came down with me from Warsaw. Um, <clears throat> we were strong characters. Micah was a few years older than so us, he he'd had play, he'd played at the top. I bounced around League One a couple one of the brief appearances in the Championship in Warsaw a few years before, et cetera. So, me and West to come down with a, a lot of experience of knowing competitively what that division was about and how to get promoted out of it. And uh, it, it was a great bunch of lads. As you said, we were probably a bit different to everything, but I think if you look back at it, it was a great model that the club had. And uh, you got the spine of a team with experience, um, the know-how, etc. and you had the uh, the rawness and the hungerness of the younger lads who want the opportunity of not had games to say, like to Charlie, who would come from Tottenham and then you had the lads that like a boy, dude, come from non-league, uh, Macca, and obviously and, and Michaela as well. So it was a good mix. It was a good mix.
0: What was the the dressing room like in the early part of that season? Did you feel that it was a dressing room that could get promoted?
1: I don't know. You tell me what it was like in the dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> you spent a few unfortunate incidents in there. No, look, it was a great bunch of lads. Um, I mean, the first time I met um, the players that season, it was at Luton Airport. Um, we flew straight out to Marbella and uh, we had a training camp out there with the chairman, met the chairman, etc. And so I think it kind of went well from there because it was um, you away from a safe environment of being just at the football club and going home, etc. We spent, we, we had to integrate. It have been seven days, you got to know somebody personally, etc. Spent a lot of time with each other and uh, yeah, so obviously it laid good foundations for what went on to be a successful uh, season for us.
0: Obviously, the season culminated in promotion, thanks to your goal at Hereford. You actually scored, I think, a goal against Chester in a 1-0 win about a month or so earlier than that. As you got towards the end of the season, obviously nerves would have been kicking in. How important were those grinding 1-0 wins against teams like Chester, for example? Yeah,
1: look as you as you said, he was towards the end of the season. That was probably my better part to that first year. <laughs> it was pretty horrendous, <laughs> just hopefully until Christmas. Um, no, I mean, look, it's um, you get promoted over the course of the season. You get consistent, and the players were consistent, and the team as a group, and the squad were all challenging, competing, going into the starting eleven. And um, as you said, there was games around that knowledge, the experience that the likes of myself and Westin, as we just said, I D and all that, that experience. Was vital input in them games and like when you grind it out and get flair players not better than George like you could, could create magic you can do something from not from nothing and with that balance that we had we always knew that we'd win football matches and it was a confidence thing and it just snowballed from the from the, from the beginning of the season
0: yeah I don't think anyone really expected to get promoted at Hereford I know that a lot of fans travelled because it was possible to do so but I don't think anybody would have put everything up. A line that we would do it on that day, as it turned out, it was a diving header from the smallest man on the pitch.
1: Yeah, well, I think the Chester goal was a Chester goal, no, it was a penalty, wasn't it? it was, yeah, I can't remember, it was an header. Um, no, was look, um, obviously, I think it was Welps, if I remember right, it was Welps. Um, he's another one where the, we were talk about the youngness. Um, he came in, and, he, and one thing about Welps, he always delivered the ball quite early, and um, we got early balls into the box, so. I gambled, I ran off the back of my man. I think it was um Tammy and Diagua who eventually joined us. And uh, I look he, I speak about now as a manager, as a coach, and you you get coached his thing, you have to make sure the three areas are the with the goal are covered. Somebody gets across the near post, somebody through the middle, somebody around the back, obviously midfielders, Try make a penalty spot for any knockdowns. Um I saw there was a space in that near post, um one when the centre forwards had taken. I just gambled on the back end of it and as I said, Welb's putting a great ball and uh, I ended up doing a diving header about an inch off the floor, I think. <laughs> and, look, not put it myself, for myself. He'd, 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 myself, and the club, ended up going in. And, as I said, it was a great experience for me uh, to, to score that goal. But I said, uh, what you achieve at the end of the season is he's won over off the course of the season.
0: Yeah. And in terms of that travel back to to Peterborough on the coach, I'd imagine that was a good place to be.
1: Yeah, for the lads. I mean, look, um, for me, weren't the best, if I'm honest. Um, my son wasn't too old he had a he had a, he'd had a bout of chicken pox and he'd been rushed into hospital. So I was four I was four cans deep, if I'm honest. <laughs> the, the, buzz, the buzz was bouncing and I got a phone call that my lad had just been rushed into hospital. So obviously then you know, I was like literally stopped drinking, got back to Cape Rare, um somebody from the club gave me a lift to get back home as quick as I could, um and then straight to the hospital and uh, obviously then uh, the rest of the lads were out celebrating around town and I was stuck in Pete Ross, but all the lads who is temporarily gone soared on the back end of driving the, the chicken pox and uh, we kept him for a few days with it. So I, mean, I, I didn't have a great night. <laughs> uh, um, I,
0: I guess the, the summer was, was an interesting one as a player because getting out of League Two, the way that the, the model of the football club was all well and good, but they'd already spoken about the fact they wanted to get promoted again. Did you believe that could have been done with the group of players that they had at the time?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, look. I mean, I came. I was twenty nine. So I was gone into. I was in my peak. The talk about from tw- um, twenty eight to thirty. You now you, you you peak. Wesley was the same age. Mike had just gone a little to the other side of that. But we had quality in the group. And that season that we just had um, for the younger lads who came through from non league, etc. The lads who'd come from like to Charlie or anybody who came from like a established Premier League club who had, had the opportunity there. They'd had the taste and what it's about, and as I said, you look at football. A lot of teams get promoted from the lower leagues down. It snowballs because it's that feel-good factor, and you're on the back end of it, everybody's gone forward, pulling the same way. And yeah, the confidence of Sky, the confidence of Sky, high. The confidence was sky high and we fancied ourselves from day one.
0: There were some big, big clubs in that League One that year, though. Obviously, Leicester were in it. Leeds, I think, were in it. Um, there were huge, huge clubs. At what point in that season did you feel that it was on? <laughs> As I said, you
1: have to go about your business. You don't come out, you don't say things from day one, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, because people can't wait to ram your words down your throat. And uh, as I said, we just momentum, just picking up points consistently, consistently, we'd have good performances. And you'd have the performances that we just spoke about, that you had to grind out. And we had a balance that we could do that. We could go mix it. We, we were fit. We were a fit young group They were hungry. The desire, everything was there, the basics. And as I said, there was quality. There was quality in that team. We had, we had players up top who could score goals. And um, we had players at the back who were prepared to put the body on the line to keep it at the back of the net.
0: And you had a free kick taker and a certain Dean Keats who pretty much I mean, what a way to end the season. We were losing against Swindon, I think, on that final day. It was all set up wibbly wobbly men, the medals, etc. etc. And then last minute, last kick of the game, pretty much, he managed to call a free kick over the wall and into the back of the net.
1: Yeah, yeah. the was penalty, wasn't there, in the game for earlier on and obviously there'd been a few penalties missed that season. I'd taken a few and scored always a established penalty taker and uh, a certain Aaron McLean he's going to me and me if he could take the penalty because as you do with contracts there's a little bit of money on something or a bonus and he said that so I let him take it after the game the gaff went mad at me <laughs> for letting him take it but look fortunate enough um, we got a free kick and to get promoted it's always amazing but you, to get promoted on the back end of a defeat would probably not taken the shine off it, but it'd just been like, oh, you've lost a game. A little bit, a bit of a doubt of taste. But no, um, fortunately for me, I've looked the free kick going in the top corner and remember it, the 1-1. And everybody had a great, great day and a great night. I enjoyed that night. I actually celebrated that one.
0: And obviously then the summer going into the Championship, as a player, obviously, prior to the, the season of the Championship, everything was looking rosy. And you, I, I guess you thought, you know, if we get a few more in, we, we've got a chance of, of, of staying up and potentially getting mid-table?
1: Yeah, look, that's always got to be the thought. I mean, as I said, you the momentum was there. It was uh, it was going in to be new for a lot of players. Uh, obviously, Westy, Westy moved on at the end of that season. Uh, Micah had gone as well. So, I was probably more the, the most experienced player at the, at the group. And uh, I'd, I'd played um, twice. I think I compiled around 30, 30 games over my two early stints in the championship. So League Warsaw. But it completely changed. And... Um, so yeah, you you have to make sure, right? Your main aim beginning of that season. It was two seasons before we were chasing. We were, right, we'll get promoted. The main aim that season was right. We we'll, we'll go. We'll be confident, but we have to make sure come the end of the season that we. The you know, main objective was to be still a championship team. But you just never know where it goes. But obviously, as I said, uh, I ended up leaving halfway through that.
0: Yeah, you actually scored um, at Newcastle, which ultimately ended up being the Gaffers final game um, obviously after that as you say it all went it all went Pete Tong but the game against Newcastle playing in it w- what kind of experience was that did you know something was amiss um, look we got up there and I can remember it being
1: the first time that Newcastle fans had a, had a protest against Mike Ashley so when we got there there was also an outside a couple of thousand waiting for the coach to come in and they are not abusing us we got a little bit of stick but they were abusing Mike Ashley etc so the atmosphere around the ground wasn't the best anyway. Purely everything that was gone on the back end there. Um, no, look, we prepared for it the same way. Um, as you do, any team that comes up, it's said it's consistency. We hadn't been regular winning games and consistently picking up points. And People at football clubs make decisions on the back end of that. And For myself, I scored up there, but luckily at the end of the day, I think we lost 5-1. I can remember playing, walking out there. And I've been in my career, I've, FA Cup, etc. I've played at Old Trafford and been fortunate on the back end of that played at some that was made to feel like the biggest pitch I've ever played on. They were literally like the animal. We couldn't get off it. Remember right, we, we couldn't get out in the first half and Gutierrez down the left wing. He was like a horse running the ball. It was that powerful, that quick, and they just you could just you could see the step up, the, the gap between us coming from League One, <clears throat> flying <clears throat> young, hungry team and Premier League players, the elite players dropping down to the championship. you, you could the the gap was massive. The gap was massive.
0: As I say, un- unravelled a little bit from there. We won't sort of go into, um, obviously, the departure and all that kind of stuff. But during that time that you were at, Peterborough, you played with so many uh, young players, so many talented players. Who was the best player you played with at Posh? And who was the most underrated who perhaps didn't get the um, attention they deserved for the success we had?
1: Hmm. Good
0: question. Look,
1: it'd be hard. I mean, look, Aaron got goals. Craig got goals. For me, it was probably George. He went on, he, he played, how he was in the Premier League, was there, was at PBRA. He's like, his work rate, he was always there, but there's always that quality there, and that's why he's, he's still going there. And you know, why well, he's a fit lad, but just he's still the same now, somebody i still keep in touch with, like the majority of the squad. It's like, it's not pally pally, but the odd mesh, message at the certain times of the year, etc. And I have no doubt if we got back together, not one of them would have changed ADR uh, personality wise. Underrated. Ooh. I don't know. I think it was a, probably a fair share, wasn't it? Really, like you, it's it was. I can remember it being quite. There was a vocal group, and the the this. It was probably the start of early spread of football players. Are they like the the um, social media and all that was starting to picking mm-hmm. up and all that. So yeah, I don't think anybody kind of got underrated on anything that they've done. You had people who's come in and run about better business. You you have them, and I was one of them. But you you know. Probably fans underappreciate some players, but within a changing room, then players are never underappreciated by, by the teammates. They're they not they that quiet person, but you know, you know, for a fact, when across that white line, you'd, you'd have them in the trenches with you.
0: What did you learn um, from a coaching point of view um, from Darren? Obviously, as, as a young manager starting out in, in League Two, he obviously got his opportunity and took it very quickly, and management's a fickle, fickle business. But what did you, what did you learn? Oh. <laughs> what, did, what did you learn from him in terms of how he went about his business?
1: No, just as I said, he—he he, how he made you feel as a player, um, how he was, how he came across, how he sold himself, and I spoke about the vision, but it just him, how he was, and you see players talk about an aura that his dad had, like players that played. His dad had that to to an extent, and as I said, it was—I'm still close with him now. Obviously, when I got my first job. He was the first one of the first persons to, to text me. Even last season, spoke to him on numerous occasions on the back end of like being in League One, losing a couple of games. He was always on the end of the phone for me, for um, me ex- advice, experience, etc. And even when I went back into it this season, he was straight away he was on the phone. And obviously, I spoke to him a few times. He was just how he was as a person. And this is just for me, how he made me feel about myself, etc. And... Do you know what? I'd have ran through brick walls for him as a player, and he was, that's how he, that's it was. And coaching wise, everything you knew—the setup, everywhere we'd operate, etc. Um, as I said, and our society—you we weren't massive in the game then. It's all changing that now, but he gave us the information, he, he just as a team, he made you feel good about yourself and fill you full of confidence. And I think crossing that white right line when you when you're in that mindset, uh, you're confident, etc. You you can go on and achieve things.
0: Are you surprised when you look at someone like Aaron McLean, for instance, who obviously was a loud, bubbly character? I mean, not many people I've spoken to expected him to go down the coaching route. Were you were you as su- surprised as them? No, because personality-wise, well, he's, he's lively, bubbly. Um,
1: he, he, within a backroom staff, he'd be a good personality to have around.
0: Mm.
1: So he is. Within, a, as I said, like that's his characteristics. He, he's always lively. So. Look, he could be on the back end of a few defeats, etc. And it's a bit of a sombre mood. He's, he's, a good, he's a good person to have around. So, you know what I mean? He's finding that happy medium, which he will have now with his age and his experience and what he's gone on and done in his career, that when you know what, when you enjoy it, and when you've got to lift people, that's, that'll, that'll be his role within the football club. And obviously, he'll be, he'll be learning off the gaffer and uh, also learning off Strack. I mean, Strack's had some fun with the gaffer around, and he's been involved with a long time now, Strack as himself. So, uh, Aaron will be a part of Aaron's journey. Um, in the coaching side you'll be learning off two good people
0: mm. you mentioned the social media age and everything as a as a young manager now do you you often look at it, look at a business from yeah. the outside looking in and think it's a horrible time to be a manager because yeah 25 years ago what you had to deal with what you have to deal with now it's it's almost like I suppose each player is an individual person you have to sort of coach them and then put it into a structure is that is that yeah a- I mean there's a lot
1: there's a lot gets said about it now. Um, obviously, now with players and managing players, it's a lot different from when I when I was not just when I was at Peebra, um when you were, when I was before that. Um, it's it's that side. And look, I, I say to my players now, um, beginning of the season, look, my advice is not to have it, in my honest opinion. Or well, if you do have it, I wouldn't go out verifying you're a coach or if you just want to float under the radar to say, because when it's good, it's good. It's an unbelievable source, and it's a platform straight from A to B, from, from a fan or from the general public or anything like that, straight to the player. But when it's bad, it can be toxic. And look, I, this is me speaking from being on the back end of it when I left Wrexham and I went down to Warsaw. Some of the abuse you get, you've got people threatening to burn your house down and et cetera, like that, and they're going to beat your kids up. Even like Warsaw, we started there, and they were absolutely flying. I logged out my account. I'm still out my, my my own account now. I'm not being back on it since. And I've dread to think what Scott said because you know why? Because it is. As I said it's that it's that direct line straight into the player. And if some players can't deal with it, and as a manager you've got that player then, and you're wondering why he's not performing, etc. But you, you just you're having that that much abuse, the player becomes then possibly that insecure about himself and about what he's doing. That these outside influences start affecting him and they start affecting him just in his own personal life and then obviously he then spreads out onto the pitch. So, as I said, it's good <laughs> if, you, if you're doing well. As I said, it can be bad if you're, not doing, if you're not doing too great.
0: Perfect. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time, Dean. I really appreciate it.